0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cartoon Collections. I'm Danielle, and today we are joined by my friend, Caitlin. Hi, I'm Katie. In this show, my friends and I investigate popular animated shows and try to discover the root of their success through their pilot episodes. Today we will be diving into the popular Netflix adaption of She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. Quick warning, this podcast will include spoilers for these animations. Please be aware of this before continuing any further. So this show is essentially a more recent show adaptation version of the old show Shira. And it's very different from that one because in that one where Shira and all the other characters were older, in this new show Shira is pretty young, I would say. Yeah. I we're not sure of her exact age, I would say I'd she's say a teenager. teenager. Mhm. And all of her friends are as well. So in the show it's showcasing that within their world, Etheria, princesses have special magical powers, such as those that are elemental, like ice, earth, air, to teleportation. Like They have a whole range of powers and that can be anything, and they're not exactly human. They can look like in a range of things, different color skin, like green. They could have yeah. animal- They could be partially animals. Mm-hmm. They, can... they have
1: some mm-hmm. form of human characteristics, like their body build, but there's also some other um, underlying, like. magical beings. They're yes.
0: essentially all magical beings. So, and they use these magical powers within an ongoing battle against the Horde in order to protect Etheria. And Adora tries to master her powers as She Ra in order to stop the Horde overall. So the show opens up within the pilot episode um, within a fight training scene within the Horde because at this point, Adora is within the Horde. She has grown up within the Horde that all she knows is the Horde, essentially. So in this fight scene, it shows how hard Adora has worked within this group of people. It shows how she's mastered her abilities and how
1: she is a very talented fighter and she's very well respected too by mm -hmm. the people that she trains with and her even her superiors recognize that she is a very vital part to their their rebellion per se
0: and the only thing i would say the only one who doesn't respect her as much who still respects her but in a different friendly way would be catra who is shown as an very gray character at this point because she is with the whore and she does understand that all this manipulation that is occurring she understands and she already knows what is occurring and yet her morals tell her it's fine to be doing all of this thing these horrible things even sometimes it's fun as long as i have my friends with me i'm having a good time and i'm fine no matter who she's hurting so she is a much less moral-driven character than Adora is, extremely. Because Adora is unaware of all these lies that have been being told to her. So Adora, who is very extremely respected, actually gets promoted to a Horde captain, which has been her dream for so long. And she has finally achieved it, and she's so proud. Um, and... Katra and her friend wasn't as thrilled as Adora was because Adora was the only one who was promoted. So this means Adora is the only one going out and fighting in the real world where Katra is not there yet at this point
1: doesn't that spark some sort of jealousy or something? Mm-hmm. Because they're very good friends too, and that's yes. just... Yes, a... they're very close friends. And I would say this definitely sparks jealousy within Catra. And it and... starts a conflict. I, I feel like that's where a conflict kind of starts to arise there. That's where the... Mm-hmm.
0: I would say Katra always views that Adora is the golden child, and she's always the yeah. one growing in the shadows. So to make it up to... Catra, Adora essentially steals one of the ships, their that flying only, ships. That
1: only Horde captains have access to,
0: right? Mm-hmm. Only the Horde captains have access to it. And Katra and her spontaneously sneak out to the Whispering Woods after receiving these newfound freedoms. Adora then finds her sort of power within these woods after she had been knocked out off the ship by Catra's yeah. reckless driving. And she's knocked off the ship. She is unconscious. And when she wakes up, the sword of power is right there. And a flame of curiosity is basically lit. So while this happens, Katra brings her back to the fright zone. And while Adora is very curious, Katra is completely normal. So Adora tells Katra to cover for her. Because she wants to sneak out and find the sword and understand what it was and why it was talking to her. So, while Catra is covering for her within the Horde, Adora counters Glimmer and Bo, who mistake her for a Horde spy. And Glimmer, who is desperate for her mom's respect, essentially, whose mom always views her as a child who's not capable. Glimmer and Bo capture Adora in the name of the Rebellion. And through this process, Adora sees firsthand that the magical world of princesses isn't as evil as she was manipulated to believe, and she understands that she has been lied to for her entire life. She also unlocks her powers as She-Ra through the sword, and although she is yet to understand them, realizing her side is the one in the wrong, Adora's, Adora's strong moral complex causes her to turn against the Horde and join the rebellion.
1: And this is where we see a complete character shift from, oh, this is what I thought was, like, correct my whole entire life. And then she, we see that she's very open to new things, essentially, mm-hmm. here. Unlike Catra. Um, did, did Catra learn of this? Catra had always known that they were in the wrong. She
0: just didn't care okay. that they were in the wrong. There's this entire scene where Adora goes to this Aetherian village, and they are throwing a party for some reason. And she tastes birthday cake for the first time. Because within the Fright Zone, I guess they just don't have joy.
1: because There's just, like, <laughs> void of all joy. It's just all work. Zone.
0: And she had never had a birthday party. She didn't even know what a birthday was. So she essentially has cake for the first time. She has, like, actual edible food for the first time. And she realizes that maybe conditions within the Fright Zone weren't as good as she thought they were. And while she's having this realization, Catra had always known. Catra had always known they weren't under the best conditions. They weren't fighting for the right things. And Katra just did not care. She was definitely a character whose entire motivation was chaos at the moment.
1: Yes, yeah, she was just, I feel like she was just tr- staying where she felt the most safe. And that's mm-hmm. where she grew up.
0: Adora definitely, while Adora definitely was like in the dark. Catra was fine with everything because of her friendship with Adora, because of their relationship, she was fine with where she was because she wanted to be with her friends and everything like that. So this creates a conflict because while they're at this village, the Horde essentially comes in and starts destroying everything and hurting people. And Adora realizes very quickly that this is not what she stands for, that this is not okay with her. And she actually transforms into Shira for one of the first times and defeats the Horde and shows them that they're going to have to face her if they want to get through any of the other people. And I think this is very important because it shows that people are capable of change. When you think about the intended audiences, this is obviously meant for younger viewers. Like all the past cartoon shows up then, it's meant for people who are teens, people who are kids, and it's very important to show that people are able to change with as new viewpoints and evidence and learning and
1: comes up throughout their lives. Mm -hmm. We can see that. Wow, I realized this I thought this thing was wrong my whole entire life. And then you see this whole new side of things and you realize, okay, it was actually right, I was the one in the wrong. Mm-hmm. And I feel Adora has is feels guilty about this. Um I think she wants to make things right. She wants right. to make things right. And like that's she her, feels her main guilty motivation. that She was put in that position to work against these people that were actually so sweet mm-hmm. and caring and fun. And that's when she starts working and becoming She-Ra. We can see that in her first fight scene against the Horde, where she's trying really, really hard to control these powers that she's never used before and use it against these people that are hurting her new friends, Glimmer and Bo.
0: Mm-hmm. And I definitely think it's a very sudden shift. Yeah. It comes about very suddenly, because Adora is standing there amidst all the chaos, Looking at Katra, who's causing it, and realizing that if this is what her friend stands for, she doesn't want. To she doesn't want to that. be a part of that at all. And Katra feels definitely betrayed and abandoned with that, and that causes a whole villain arc that is very extremely prominent without the show. Yes, it comes to a peak. Um, very, very. Strongly, and Adoral's whole betrayal in leaving definitely started, um, Catra's, Catra's villain, villain, arc.
1: villain arc. Um, mm-hmm. but the good thing about this show is that it's a friends to enemies to lovers, mm-hmm. so that's a very interesting plot point that does come in the future, yeah. And- It was very entertaining to watch. It
0: was. It was especially important when you think about this demographic and everything. The show is very much about representation and to show that people can change and people can be redeemed and you can do terrible things and still be loved unconditionally. That's very important. Um, Adora and Catra they went through a lot of hard things and they were against each other for a long time, fighting each other for a very long time. And yet, even through that, they still ended up together at the end. And it shows kids that love is unconditional and representation is important within these younger genres. And I think that's important. And I think this this pilot episode definitely sets a good pretense for the rest of the show. It introduces... Adora's hesitancy within the princess world okay. and how she's very ignorant on a lot of different subjects. And it also shows that how she got her powers, why she got her powers, um, how she is essentially key to stopping the war. And I think that's important when you go mm-hmm. on
1: throughout mm-hmm. the plot. Going back to what Danielle said earlier about representation. <laughs> There is a lot of representation in the fact that there are people of color who are antagonists and protagonists and they're just all throughout the show and then there's most- a lot of these characters are shown as LGBT, part Mm -hmm. of the LGBT community. There's a lot of different genders, a lot of different loves. Yeah, which I I think think is very, very important for kids to know at a young age. And
0: because of all of this, I think it's, it's a very good pretense for the rest of the show. Thank you everyone for tuning into this episode of Cartoon Collections. Feel free to reach out if you want to see more content analyzing these shows further in the future. Make sure to tune in for the next episode where we will be discussing what all these successful anime shows have in common on our concluding episode, Intertwining Introductions.